0: chapter twelve of the spirit of the border by zane gray this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by leonard wilson chapter twelve the groves were god's first temples from dawn until noon on sunday bands of indians arrived at the village of peace hundreds of canoes glided down the swift stream and bumped their prows into the pebbly beach groups of mounted warriors rode out of the forest into the clearing squaws with papooses maidens carrying wicker baskets and children playing with rude toys came trooping along the bridle-paths gifts were presented during the morning after which the visitors were feasted in the afternoon all assembled in the grove to hear the preaching the maple grove wherein the service was to be conducted might have been intended by nature for just such a purpose as it now fulfilled these trees were large spreading and situated far apart mossy stones and the thick carpet of grass afforded seats for the congregation Heckwelder, a tall spare and kindly appearing man directed the arranging of the congregation he placed the converted indians just behind the knoll upon which the presiding minister was to stand in a half circle facing the knoll he seated the chieftains and important personages of the various tribes he then made a short address in the indian language speaking of the work of the mission what wonders it had accomplished what more good work it hoped to do and concluded by introducing the young missionary while Heckewelder spoke jim who stood just behind employed the few moments in running his eye over the multitude the sight which met his gaze was one he thought he would never forget an involuntary word escaped him magnificent he exclaimed the shady glen had been transformed into a theater from which gazed a thousand dark still faces a thousand eagle plumes waved and ten thousand bright-hued feathers quivered in the soft breeze the fantastically dressed scalps presented a contrast the smooth unadorned heads of the converted red men these proud plumes and defiant feathers told the difference between savage and christian in front of the knoll sat fifty chiefs attentive and dignified representatives of every tribe as far west as the Scioto river were numbered in that circle there were chiefs renowned for war for cunning for valor for wisdom Their stately presence gave the meeting tenfold importance. Could these chiefs be interested, moved, the whole western world of Indians might be civilized. Hepote, a maumee chief of whom it was said he had never listened to words of the pale face, had the central position in this circle. On his right and left respectively sat Shoshoto and Pipe, implacable foes of all white men. The latter's aspect did not belie his reputation his copper-colored repulsive visage compelled fear it breathed vindictiveness and malignity a singular action of his was that he always in what must have been his arrogant vanity turned his profile to those who watched him and it was a remarkable one it sloped in an oblique line from the top of his forehead to his protruding chin resembling somewhat the carved bowl of his pipe which was of flint and a famed inheritance from his ancestors from it he took his name one solitary eagle plume its tips stained vermilion stuck from his scalp lock it slanted backward on a line with his profile among all these chiefs striking as they were the figure of wingenund the delaware stood out alone His position was at the extreme left of the circle where he leaned against a maple a long black mantle trimmed with spotless white enveloped him one bronzed arm circled by a heavy bracelet of gold held the mantle close about his lofty form his headdress which trailed to the ground was exceedingly beautiful the eagle plumes were of uniform length and pure white except the black pointed tips at his feet sat his daughter whispering winds her maidens were gathered around her she raised her soft black eyes shining with the wondrous light of surprise and expectation to the young missionary's face beyond the circle the indians were massed together even beyond the limits of the glade under the trees on every side sat warriors astride their steeds some lounged on the green turf Manny reclined in the branches of low-spreading maples. As Jim looked out over the sea of faces, he started in surprise. The sudden glance of fiery eyes had impelled his gaze. He recognized Silvertip, the Shawnee chief. The Indian sat motionless on a powerful black horse. Jim started again, for the horse was Joe's thoroughbred, Lance. But Jim had no further time to think of Joe's enemy, for Heckewelder stepped back. Jim took the vacated seat, and with a far-reaching, resonant voice began his discourse to the Indians. Chieftains, warriors, maidens, children of the forest, listen, and your ears shall hear no lie. I am come from where the sun rises, To tell you of the great spirit of the white man many many moons ago as many as blades of grass grow on yonder plain the great spirit of whom i shall speak created the world he made the sparkling lakes and swift rivers the boundless plains and tangled forests over which he caused the sun to shine and the rain to fall he gave life to the kingly elk the graceful deer the rolling bison the bear the fox all the beasts and birds and fishes but he was not content for nothing he made was perfect in his sight he created the white man in his own image and from this first man's rib he created his mate a woman he turned them free in a beautiful forest life was fair in the beautiful forest the sun shone always the birds sang the waters flowed with music the flowers cast sweet fragrance on the air in this forest where fruit bloomed always was one tree the tree of life the apple of which they must not eat in all this beautiful forest of abundance this apple alone was forbidden them now evil was born with woman a serpent tempted her to eat of the apple of life and she tempted the man to eat for their sin the great spirit commanded the serpent to crawl forever on his belly and he drove them from the beautiful forest the punishment for their sin was to be visited on their children's children always until the end of time the two went afar into the dark forest to learn to live as best they might from them all tribes descended the world is wide a warrior might run all his days and not reach the setting sun where tribes of yellow skins live he might travel half his days toward the south wind where tribes of black skins abound people of all colors inhabited the world they lived in hatred toward one another they shed each other's blood they stole each other's land scold and women they sinned many moons ago the great spirit sorrowed to see his chosen tribe the pale faces living in ignorance and sin he sent his only son to redeem them and said if they would listen and believe and teach the other tribes he would forgive their sin and welcome them to the beautiful forest that was moons and moons ago when the pale-faced killed his brother for gold and lands and beat his women slaves to make them plant his corn the son of the great spirit lifted the cloud from the pale-face's eyes and they saw and learned so pleased was the great spirit that he made the pale-faces wiser and wiser and master of the world He bid them go afar to teach the ignorant tribes. To teach you is why the young pale-face journeyed from the rising sun. He wants no lands or power. He has given all that he had. He walks among you without gun or knife. He can gain nothing but the happiness of opening the red men's eyes. The great spirit of whom I teach and the great Manitou Your idol are the same. The happy hunting ground of the Indian and the beautiful forest of the pale face are the same. The pale face and the red man are the same. There is but one great spirit, that is God, but one eternal home, that is heaven, but one human being, that is man. The Indian knows the habits of the beaver, He can follow the paths of the forest. He can guide his canoe through the foaming rapids. He is honest, he is brave, he is great. But he is not wise. His wisdom is clouded with the original sin. He lives in idleness. He paints his face. He makes his squaw labor for him instead of laboring for her. He kills his brothers. He worships the trees and rocks. If he were wise, he would not make gods of the swift arrow and bounding canoe, of the flowering ash and the flaming flint, for these things have not life. In his dreams he sees his arrow speed to the reeling deer. In his dreams he sees his canoe shoot over the crest of shining waves, and in his mind he gives them life. When his eyes are opened, he will see they have no spirit the spirit is in his own heart it guides the arrow to the running deer and steers the canoe over the swirling current the spirit makes him find the untrodden paths and do brave deeds and love his children and his honour it makes him meet his foe face to face and if he is to die it gives him strength to die a man the spirit is what makes him different from the arrow the canoe the mountain and all the birds and beasts for it is born of the great spirit the creator of all him you must worship red men this worship is understanding your spirit and teaching it to do good deeds it is called christianity christianity is love if you will love the great spirit You will love your wives, your children, your brothers, your friends, your foes. You will love the pale faces. No more will you idle in winter and wage wars in summer. You will wear your knife and tomahawk only when you hunt for meat. You will be kind, gentle, loving, virtuous. You will have grown wise. When your days are done, you will meet all your loved ones in the beautiful forest there where the flowers bloom the fruits ripen always where the pleasant water glides and the summer winds whisper sweetly there peace will dwell forever comrades be wise think earnestly forget the wicked pale-face for there are many wicked pale-faces they sell the serpent fire-water they lie and steal and kill these pale faces' eyes are still clouded if they do not open they will never see the beautiful forest you have much to forgive but those who forgive please the great spirit you must give yourselves to love but those who love are loved you must work but those who work are happy behold the village at peace once it contained few. Now there are many. Where once the dark forest shaded the land, see the cabins, the farms, the horses, the cattle. Field on field of waving golden grain shine there under your eyes. The earth has blossomed abundance. Idling and fighting made not these rich harvests. Belief made love. Love made wise eyes. Wise eyes saw and lo there came plenty the proof of love is happiness these christian indians are happy they are at peace with the red man and the pale-face they till the fields and work in the shops in days to come cabins and farms and fields of corn will be theirs they will bring up their children not to hide in the forest to slay but to walk hand in hand with the pale-faces as equals oh open your ears god speaks to you peace awaits you cast the bitterness from your hearts it is the serpent poison while you hate god shuts his eyes you are great on the trail in the council in war now be great in forgiveness forgive the pale faces who have robbed you of your lands then will come peace If you do not forgive, the war will go on. You will lose lands and homes to find unmarked graves under the forest leaves. Revenge is sweet, but it is not wise. The price of revenge is blood and life. Root it out of your hearts. Love these Christian Indians. Love the missionaries as they love you. Love all living creatures your days are but few therefore cease the strife let us say brothers that is god's word his law that is love that is christianity if you will say from your heart brother you are a christian brothers the pale-faced teacher beseeches you think not of this long bloody war Of your dishonored dead of your silenced wigwams of your nameless graves of your homeless children think of the future one word from you will make peace over all this broad land the pale-face must honor a christian he can steal no christian's land all the pale-faces as many as the stars of the great white path dare not invade the village of peace for God smiles here listen to his words come unto me all that are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest over the multitude brooded an impressive solemn silence then an aged delaware chief rose with a mien of profound thought and slowly paced before the circle of chiefs. Presently he stopped, turned to the waiting Indians, and spoke. Nettawatwees is almost persuaded to be a Christian. He resumed his seat. Another interval of penetrating quiet ensued. At length the venerable-looking chieftain got up. White Eyes hears the rumbling thunder in his ears, the smoke blows from his eyes. White Eyes is the oldest chief of the Leni Lenape. His days are many, they are full, they draw near the evening of his life. He rejoices that wisdom is come before his sun is set white eyes believes the young white father the ways of the great spirit are many as the fluttering leaves they are strange and secret as the flight of a loon white eyes believes the red man's happy hunting grounds need not be forgotten to love the pale face's god as a young brave pants and puzzles over his first trail so the grown warrior feels in his understanding of his god he gropes blindly through dark ravines white eyes speaks few words today for he is learning wisdom he bids his people hearken to the voice of the white father war is wrong peace is best love is the way to peace the pale face advances one step nearer his god he labors for his home he keeps the peace he asks but little he frees his women that is well white eyes has spoken the old chief slowly advanced toward the christian indians he laid aside his knife and tomahawk and then his eagle plumes and war bonnet bareheaded he seated himself among the converted red men they began chanting in low murmuring tones amid the breathless silence that followed this act of such great significance wingenund advanced toward the knoll with slow stately step his dark eye swept the glade with lightning scorn his glance alone revealed the passion that swayed him wingenund's ears are keen they have heard a feather fall in the storm. Now they hear a soft-voiced thrush, winging on thunders to his people, to his friends, to the chiefs of other tribes. Do not bury the hatchet. The young white father's tongue runs smooth like the gliding brook. It sings as the thrush calls its mate. Listen, but wait, wait let time prove his beautiful tale let the moons go by over the village of peace wingenon does not flaunt his wisdom he has grown old among the warriors he loves them he fears for them the dream of the pale face's beautiful forest glimmers as the rainbow glows over the laughing falls of the river the dream of the pale face is too beautiful to come true in the days of long ago when wanganan's forefathers heard not the pale face's acts they lived in love and happiness such as the young white father dreams may come again they waged no wars a white dove sat in every wigwam the lands were theirs and they were rich the pale-face came with his leaden death his burning fire-water his ringing axe and the glory of the red men faded forever wingenund seeks not to inflame his braves to anger he is sick of blood spilling not from fear for wingenund cannot feel fear but he asks his people to wait remember the gifts of the pale-face ever contained a poisoned arrow wingenund's heart is sore the day of the red man is gone his sun is setting wingenund feels already the gray shades of evening he stopped one long moment as if to gather breath for his final charge to his listeners then with a magnificent gesture he thundered is the delaware a fool When Wingenand can cross unarmed to the big water, he shall change his mind. When death wind ceases to blow his bloody trail over the fallen leaves, Wingenand will believe. End of chapter 12 of The Spirit of the Border by Zane Gray Recording by Leonard Wilson of Springfield, Ohio